you know, our song service is uh, supposed to give the Lord praise and glory. That's why we have it. We can praise Him with our lips and our heart. And I don't know about you, but that, I've already done that today through our service, our music service. We, we sang about an awesome God. We sang about His awesome Son who died for us. We get to do that through song and through music. And I thank Rhonda for her preparation on that, even though she's mine and I live with her. Uh, she has free reign to do what she wants to as the Lord directs her in putting the music service together. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was blessed as we sang to the glory and honor of our holy God and His Son. Uh, Brian, you're here. Would you open us up with prayer, buddy? Lord, I thank you. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. We'll be in Jude today, the book of Jude. That is the book right in front of Revelation. Uh, I, I won't tell you what chapter in Jude it will be in. Because if you have read Jude, you know there is only one chapter. So we'll start in about verse 18 or so. Uh, I'll just say chapter 23 of Jude. Okay, how's that? We'll just kind of mess you up there a little bit. <laughs> uh, the title of the message, Game Plan for Gloomy Days. Game Plan for Gloomy Days. You know, the Bible tells us in the last days that things will be difficult. You can go to 2 Timothy and it tells you that, that in the, the last days... And the Bible says we're in the last days. The last days began when Christ died. And when Christ comes back again, that is the last days. Now, we can also think about and believe, and I think personally, that, that we are at the end of the last days. That the last days when Christ comes back, I think, is getting closer. I don't know the time or the date, but... It just seems like, as you read his word and, and see what's going on in today's world, that uh, we might be at the end of the end days. Okay, so that's just a thought there. But the Bible says they're going to be difficult. You go to 2 Timothy, and it tells us that men will be lovers of self. Men will be lovers of money. Men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That men will become boastful, and men will become arrogant. 
It also tells us in that fourth chapter that uh, people now will want their ears tickled with nice stories from the pulpit. That people, many people don't want to hear the, the, the solid, sound truth of the gospel. And they want to go places where sin is never talked about. Or the need of salvation is never mentioned. Because the thought of that makes people uneasy. Times will be difficult. The Bible warns us that there will be false teachers and false pastors and false prophets. And it just seems like, does it not, as, as more falseness comes out in our society, that, that more and more people are headed, if you will, in that direction. Uh, in verse 18 there, it says of Jude, it says, And they were saying to you, in the last days there will be mockers following after their own godly lusts. I believe you would agree with me that there are mark- mockers out there today in our world. They will say that there is no God. And if there is, we don't need to pay any attention to Him. We're going to do our own thing. The world will tell you this book right here is no longer relevant. That was written a long time ago by a bunch of men. And that happened way too long ago. doesn't fit in our society. And society will tell you that, that this disregard what's in this book. It says at the end times that there will be mockers and they will follow after their own ungodly lusts. But we see that today, do we not? I can love who I want to and I can marry who I want to. (laughs) I don't care what God's Word says. It's It's my body and it's my choice. I don't care what the world says. Did you know the Word tells us that there are many genders out there? Even though God's Word says, I made man and I made female. The world tells us there are many. And the world tells us even today that men can become pregnant. I don't know about you, but that's about as far as the spectrum can get. That is way out there. That's the world's view. And the world wants us to accept that as being true. The world will tell us that there is really no right or wrong anymore. Right or wrong is just based on what you think is right and wrong. That truth is there's no absolute truth anymore. That you, whatever you believe is, is your own truth. And the world will want you to believe that. And the world will push that upon us. What do we do about that? I heard of uh, a church in South Florida this week. That as they had their children's sermon time and they brought their kids up here and... Uh, Said and you've seen that, uh, had a little church service right there for the kiddos, okay? Well, the pastor didn't do the service that day. He, he allowed a transgender to come up and present the story to the kids, the message to the kids. Uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a world that we are living in, and we wonder how, how can people think like that? How do they get that? And we see in verse 19, it says, There are those who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. And we think, how can people think that that's normal? 
And we look at God's Word and it tells us that, that people that cause divisions, people that cause divisions in our churches, people that cause divisions in our country, and our country is, is it not divided more, more today than it ever has been since the Civil War. And we wonder, where does that division come from? Where does that thought process come from? And we see it tells us in the book of Jude, it says it comes from worldly-minded people that are devoid of the Spirit, that who could care less that there is a Holy Spirit, who could care less about a God, who care less about a, a Christ that came to die for us. And they just live their life in their own worldly lusts and doing what their own things. And as we see society in this godless, godless agenda that is being pushed upon us, a godless agenda that says, you need to accept what I'm telling you. How are you and I, as born-again believers, how are we to deal with that? How do we keep ourselves from falling into that deception of the devil that says, this is good stuff, this is right, the majority of people believe this, and you need to get on the boat and start rowing with us? How do we resist that tsunami of sinfulness that we see all around us? Well, I'm here to tell you, God has a game plan for us. Did you know that? Just like OU had a game plan like yesterday to beat, beat them bunch, and OSU had a game plan. I hate to say they didn't win, but that's, you know, that's part of the game. They had a game plan. They had something that they said, this is how we are going to attack our opponent. This is our plan to get to have an advantage in our life so that we can be successful on the football field. Well, I believe, I believe God has given us a plan to be successful in this old world, the, the, the gloomy days of, of deception that we're living in, the hard times that we have, God has given us a game plan. And that's what I want to talk about today a little bit. And I hope this encourages you. I hope it tells you how to, how to live in this, in this world that keeps getting darker and darker and gloomier. And, and, and we don't have to be a part of it. We don't have to buy into it. We don't have to be walking around with sad faces. We can have victory because of who we are in Christ. We are his children. And he says, here is a game plan. So in this little book of Jude, uh, beginning in verse 20, we are going to see what, what Jude has told us about how to be successful in some very dark times in this old world. In verse 20, we see, he says, uh, But you, beloved, that's us as Christians, beloved, Build yourselves up. Build yourselves up. Okay, well, that sounds good. How and what area do we build ourselves up? Well, it, you keep reading there. It says, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. That's the first step of your game plan. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. That word holy means to be separate, means to be sanctified, means to be different. The word faith means the truth that we have believed from the Scripture. We have a holy faith. We, from the Scripture, from the book that He's given us, we learn about God, the sovereign, supreme being of this old world. 
we learn about his son Jesus who came and died and rose again from the grave. We learn about man and man's problem. And man's problem is sin. And we learn about from his book, we learn about the issue of sin and what one needs to do about sin. How do we deal with sin that comes into life? Well, we learn it from this book, do we not? This holy book. We also learn that man and woman will one day live someplace for eternity. That, that this old world is not all there is. The grave is not all there is. And we learn from this book that there is something else beyond this old time here on this earth. What an awesome, awesome book that we have here. And this book has is, is been uh, inspired by God. This book is breathed by God. We've talked about a few weeks ago how the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of this book to get to write down the very truths of this book. This book is not made of man's imagination, speculation, or some thoughts that man might have had. This book was ordainedly given by the Holy Spirit, inspired the writers of this book to write down the truths of God's Word. This book, the Bible tells us, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that we can be adequately served and adequately serve the Lord. This book is an awesome book. Where do we find the truths that we stand on? We find the truths from God's Word. And when we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we make Him number one in our lives, the Bible tells us then and only then can we really get delve into the power and the, and the Word of God, that we can stand on His promises. What foundation is your life? A foundation of a holy faith? Yes, and that begins in Jesus Christ. And from there, we start building our lives. You know, we can very easily in our lifetime uh, adopt what, would, what I would call a worldview of things. I kind of mentioned that in the opening. A worldview that life goes on, life happens. We got wars over there, Russia and Ukraine, and they're trying to expand it. They're talking about nuclear war. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about this world is in chaos. That this world is going to just melt down one day. That no one has control over what's happening over there and what could happen later on. And, and, and we hear this and we, and we begin to worry and we begin to think and we become anxious because the world says us we have to be that way. We should be that. Boy, you need to be worried about that. And we sometimes adopt that attitude of, wow, I don't know what's going to happen anymore. But if you go to the God's Word and we take a biblical view of circumstances, we take a biblical view of what He tells us in His Word, we can begin to kind of put two and two together. Did you know that? Even though the world is, is, is on a nuclear brink, if you would, we know from God's Word, He says, God's still in control. That God has a plan. That God is sovereign. And if, if the world is going to World War III, which is what they're trying to say, give me tell you something. God has a word for that. They won't catch God by surprise. 
You see, God said there, at the end of time, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be wars. There's going to be all kind of this stuff. And there's going to be a man's step on, this, on the pages of history that will step up from the world and say, I can bring you peace. I will bring you peace. I can bring you world peace because of who I am. And if you've read your Bible, you know who that is. His name is the Antichrist. When we see that, we know tribulation is upon us. When we, when we go to the store and, and put our card in there and say, this is how I'm paying for stuff. And we don't have cash on us. We don't need cash anymore. You can't even get into six Frontier City paying cash anymore. Did you know that? You've got to put the card in there. Cashless society is where we're headed, is it not? The Bible says, yeah, that's okay. Because a cashless society, you will see that again in tribulation time. You see, the Bible says, I know what's going to go on. Here's what's going to go on. Here is the forecast of, of your future. And God says, I know because I'm going to set it up this way. And do we choose to take a worldview of circumstances or do we choose to take God's word and say, I'm, you know, I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to stand on his promises because that's where truth is. Truth is not on CNN. Truth is God's word. And I choose to stand on that. See, that's where that foundation of holy faith and living comes from. We accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And we take His Scripture. We take His Word. We take His promises. And we believe them and we trust them. And we live them out on a daily basis. Not allowing the world to decide what we believe. You see, as Christians, we have got to be in the mindset of studying this Word. We've got to be in the mindset of pondering this Word and memorizing this Word and living this word out and as we do that today and we learn and we praise and we learn a little bit more about God's word and we take that and we stand on that and we live that and then tomorrow we do the very same thing we take his word and we learn a little bit more and we stand on that and we start building our life through the course of many many years and some of us have too many years almost and when we have started here and we're building here, guess where our life is going? Our foundation of life is based on Christ and His Word. And we are to build that way. We start with the foundation, but we as Christians need to be building as we grow more and more and more in love with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Lord Jesus. I pray that your foundation of your life is Christ. And we build on that foundation daily, daily, through His Word and through prayer and through love of Him and other people. We must be a people as we live our Christian lives. We must get off of just the foundation. And we must build our lives that grows more and more in love with him and more and more in love with other people. Matthew 7 gives us that example, does it not? You've heard of that parable, Matthew 7. It says there's two men out there. One built his house on the rock, the rock of Jesus. And when the winds came and the rains blew and the floods tried to wash his house away, the Bible said what? His house stood because he built his life on the foundations of Christ. The other man built his life on the sands of time, on worldly stuff, worldly possessions, worldview, thought the world had the right answers. 
The Bible says what? When the winds came, the winds blew, and the rains and the floods came, what happened to his house? Got washed away, did it not? There was nothing to hold his house together because it was not built on the foundation of Christ. I urge you folks in in these gloomy, dark times of life, you have got to build your house on the foundation of Christ. And you feed that foundation, you build that foundation from God's holy word. There is no better truth than that right there. We notice another way, another part of the game plan. That's the first game plan. That's the foundation. The second game plan that he gives to us during this dark and gloomy time, we see it right there. He says, praying in the Holy Spirit. We have got to be people of prayer. What a privilege. If you ever think about this, the privilege that we have to be able to go speak to the Father, the God who created the heavens and the universe. And did you know his throne room is never closed? It is open 24-7, around the clock. And you and I can go to him anytime, anywhere, any place, and we can speak with the God of the universe. Man, what a, what a great second step in our game plan is to go to him. You see, prayer is talking to him, yes. Prayer is going to him and saying, man, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Prayer is going, man, God, I don't understand that. I don't get that. But, but I know you're in control. Prayer is giving him the good and the bad and the ugly on a, on a daily, daily basis. And most of the time, that's what we do as, as Christians, is it? We're going to go talk to God, which is great. And we forget the second part of that. We've got to listen to him, too. We've got to listen to him. We've got we to tune in to that, that still, small voice. As we, as we are on our knees and we're praying, and then all of a sudden we decide to be quiet. So that now he has time to speak. Let him speak to you. And draw wisdom from when he speaks to you. Because he is speaking nothing but truth to you and I. That's what prayer is. Prayer is, is seeking the will of God. You see, it's seeking the will of God. Prayer, prayer is not just telling God, this is, my, this is my want list. Prayer is asking the Holy Spirit to change your heart so that your heart and my heart go along with the will of God. Okay? The will of God. Yeah, we can tell Him all of the things we want to do. But at some point in our prayer life, we've got to go... Your will, but not mine. I want you to change my heart, God, so that when I think and my desires and my passions are not all about me, but they're all about Him. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did He do? Father, is there any other way? Can we get another plan here? Is there part B here that I need to know about? But if not, Thy will be done. What an awesome thing. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will begin to shape our hearts to pursue the things of God and not to pursue the things of Don or Kevin or Jerry or Meg or anybody. See, that's what prayer is. Prayer is, prayer is praying without ceasing. Man, during this time of, of stuff going on, we've got to be people of prayer. We've got to be walking down the street and and, and just say, thank you, Father. Man, that's a beautiful, beautiful set of trees over there, Father, as the leaves are turning. How awesome is that? Man, thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for that, that that car did not hit me as I messed up when I was trying to turn. Thank you, Father. You see, we don't have to be in church to be praying. We see something that comes into our lives. Thank you, Father, and just move on. That's prayer without ceasing. You and I always can do that. Something good happens at work. Thank you, Father. Something bad happens at work. I understand, God, but you're in control, God. Thank you for being in control, God. You see, prayer is praying without ceasing. Prayer is praying for other people. Prayer is praying for your family. Prayer is praying for your friends. Prayer is praying for your lost friends. Those folks that you know in your life that have never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Whose responsibility is that to pray for them? Yeah, it's you and it's me. Because if you don't do it and if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Ain't nobody. We must be a people that intercede for other people. And it's interesting that as we intercede for other people in prayer, guess who intercedes for us? The Bible says, Holy Spirit is praying for us when we don't know how to pray for that person and there's many times I go "Ah, God I I don't know how to pray for them you know what Holy Spirit the Bible tells me is already praying for them interceding for them when I don't know what to say he's interceding already you see we read that in Romans 6 Romans 8 26 and 27 it says in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness For when we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Oh, my goodness. And He, God, who searches the hearts, know what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you want to negotiate dark times and troubled times, we must be a people of prayer. We must be a people that prays with a faithful heart. We must be a people who pray with an obedient heart. Because God's Word tells us if we don't come to Him in faith, if we don't come to Him with an obedient heart, if we come to Him with a heart of sinfulness and we don't care, and we have a heart of unforgiveness and and unlove for people, the Bible says what? He's not obligated to hear us. We've got to come to him with a sincere and a faithful and obedient heart. And then the Bible says, man, he will listen to us. First Chronicles 16, 11 says this, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Man, when we go to the Lord, man, I'm, I'm asking you to go and ask for wisdom. Ask for patience. Ask for steadfastness. Ask us for faithfulness. Ask him for for encouragement, asking for energy. You can ask him for anything that fits into his will. And God's word says, yep, give that down to old Jerry over there. Send it down to him. We serve an awesome, awesome God. Another thing real quickly, I got to get moving. And that we see in these verses, the third, the third leg of the game plan, if you would, besides a holy faith and praying, it says, keep yourselves in love with God. Keep yourselves in love with God with God. Do you love God? Do you love others? Is that a possibility? You know, I sure hope so. 
Because the Bible says, if you love God, you will love other people. It is impossible to love God and not love other people. That's from 1 John. You see, when we are marked with the, with the love of God in our lives, we truly will love other people. And guess what? When we truly love other people, they're going to know it. And when our life is not marked with the love of God, when we don't love other people, guess what? They're going to know it. You see, we are to love God and we are to love other people. Romans 12, 9 says this about that. <laughs> Let us love without hypocrisy. That's true love. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Abhor what is evil. What is evil that we need to get rid of? It's sin in our lives. When sin comes knocking on our door, the Bible tells us to flee, to run, to reject. Don't allow it into your life. Get rid of those evil things, those evil thoughts that come. Get rid of it. And then he gives us a positive, does he not? He says, cling to what is good. What is clinging to what is good? Foundation of faith would be one. Praying without ceasing is two. Uh, loving God and loving others, true, yeah. Standing on God's promises. Being faithful in word and deed as we live this life. All kind of good things. Clinging just to Jesus. I mean, that'd, that'd, that'd cover all of it, I guess. During this difficult time of life. Just, just grab a hold of him and just hang on. Okay? Couldn't get any better than that. The last one we see here real quickly. As we are building our lives. The fourth leg of the, of the game plan. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. In eternal life. Matthew 16, 27 says it this way. For the Son of Man is going to come in His glory of the Father with His angels. And then will repay every man according to His deed. As we are living our life during gloomy times. The Bible says, hey, I want you to remember <laughs> that I'm coming back. Matter of fact, I want you to focus your hearts and your minds on I am coming back and that one day did you know this one day when he comes back to get all of his children we will be like Jesus in perfection and in glory one day even though life is crumbling even though that's a hard time even though we know that one day the Bible tells us that we will truly truly understand the mercy of God as we are in the very presence of God. We'll truly understand the grace of God. We'll understand the love of God. And we will understand the forgiveness of God. All we know a little bit now. But when we are transformed. And we are made like Christ. In, in righteousness and perfection. We will truly know. What it means. What God did. What Jesus did on that cross. And how much it took. How much love it took. For you and I to get there. To his holy hand. Holy land. Father I, I, I pray. John 14, 1 talks about this. When the disciples are knowing that Jesus is leaving, Jesus tells them 14, 1, 2, 3, and 4. He says, he says I'm, come, I'm leaving, but I'm going to come back. I've got a mansion prepared for you. And where I'm at, you're going to be also. If life gets so hard and so dark, the fourth leg of that game plan is what? Just to remember Remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember we have a home in heaven. Remember that we will have a great 
great uniting uh, time of our Christian friends and our Christian family that have already left this old world. What a great reunion that's going to be. And what a great time it'll be to be in the very presence of Holy God and to literally rub shoulders with Jesus, the one who allows us to get there. Real quick, I promise. While we are doing all that, building ourselves in holy faith, praying, loving God and loving others, and anxiously waiting for the Lord. He said, I don't want you to stay in a cave anywhere. I don't want you hibernating anywhere. I don't want you sitting in a pew doing nothing, just waiting like they do some of those folks, you know. Real quickly, here's what he tells us to do at the end of time. Here's what we're to do once we've got this game plan figured out. He said, verse 22, have mercy on some who are doubting. There's going to be people that you come across that are going to begin to doubt. Life is hard. Does God really love me? Life is hard. I don't know if God knows. Life is hard. If I, I'm going to go over here to this church because this, this preacher is a little more charismatic than the one you got. And, 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 and I, just, I just need something different in my, in my walk with the Lord. Something a little better. And, and doubt comes in. Does God really love me? And the Bible says, for us that have been born again, that are going, that are following the game plan, it says you are to show mercy for them. You are to go to them. You are to comfort them and have compassion for them and not beat them up on the head if you would, but you are to love them back to the Lord. You are to have mercy on those that doubt, mercy on those who are following after some, some uh, false preacher. You are to go to them and show mercy to them and love to them. Verse 23, second thing we're to do, it says, save others, snatching them out of the fire. If we are born again and we are following the game plan that God has for us, one of the things that we are called to do is to snatch them from the fire, if you would. That is to present the gospel to them. To tell them that God loves them and tell them that Jesus died for them. That is presenting the gospel. We've got to tell them that, that, that if you reject God and you reject his son, that you will reject him for eternity and you'll be separated from holy God from ever and forever. That's what hell is. Did you know it? Separation from God, the, the one who loved you so much. You see, you see, we're not going to be sitting in a cave somewhere. We're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel. We are to be living the gospel out in front of people. We are to be speaking the gospel. We are to save them and snatch them from the fire, if you would. As long as we're here on earth, that's our job, is it not? And the third, third thing it says while we're here, and I'm about to be done. It says, uh, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Have mercy with fear. He says, when you are dealing with Unbelievers, when you're dealing with doubters, when you see their lifestyle and how they're living in it, seems to be good, seems to be fun. Sin can be fun in a season. And when you see that, he is telling us, don't let that pollute your faith. Don't let that bring your faith down. Don't get to the point where you go, hmm, maybe that's something I might want to try. You see, we give mercy. We tell them the gospel. We show them the light. We do all that kind of stuff, but we do it in, with fear. And that fear is that we might someday end up like them, that we might 
accept sin. We might think that's not a bad deal. We might go down that road again. And he says, don't be like that. Be strong in your faith. Live your faith. Stand on his promises. But make sure that you don't end up like them. A person deep in sin. You know, as I conclude here. I hope the game plan is helping you, will help you during this time. I hope it will. I mean, if you leave out one of these steps, if you would, your game plan will not be complete. You see, we got to build a life based on His Word and based on the life of Christ. And if that's not your foundation, I can promise you, you won't succeed now or for eternity. That's your number one priority is build your life the foundation of Christ. And once you do that, the Bible says, man, you've got to be a people of prayer. Because if we're not people of prayer, you're not communicating with the, with the great communicator in your life. You'll never know what it means to seek his truth and to find his wisdom. And as we, as we build our lives and get closer and more in love with God and we're praying, that love will come out in us. That we'll love God more. And we'll be able to love other people more. And is that not two, the, the two greatest commandments that Jesus said? To love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind? And the second is ver- pretty much like it, he said. To love one another? Yeah. Yeah. And then we anxiously wait that he's coming back for us. No matter how bad this old world gets, he's coming back. And we will live with him for an eternity in his holy presence. I, I, I hope that... Uh, I hope you'll understand that. I hope you'll, you'll uh, that's the game plan from here on out. Um, I can't think of a better game plan. As we live the Christian life, we've got things to do in our Christian life. We've got to build ourselves up, but we also got to build other people up in his word. Rhonda, as the piano plays, that's, uh, I'm done. <laughs> I hope you're encouraged today. God just doesn't leave us hanging, does he? He says, yeah, bad times are going to come. End times are going to be rough. There are going to be folks that are going to make fun of you and persecute you and just all kind of stuff. But then he goes, you know what? Here's a plan to overcome that. My plan says that I'll be with you wherever you go. My plan says that I'm near the brokenhearted. My plan says I will save those who are crushed in spirit. My plan says that when you cry, the righteous cry to the Lord, I'm going to hear your cry. And I'm going to turn my ear to you so I can hear it even better, the Bible says. See, we don't have to be defeated during dark times and gloomy times because we have a plan. God didn't leave us hanging. God gave us a plan that we can live by, a foolproof plan to live by. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, piano plays the invitation is there I don't know how God spoke to you maybe you needed this plan I don't know maybe you felt defeated as the world kind of closes in on us whatever God has spoken to you with talk to him about it if you've never ever joined this church it'd be a good time to come if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior it'd be an even better time to come just do business with God right now during our invitation time, if you would, please, as the piano plays.